Blog Talk Radio. I'm going to a city that's set on a hill. Its ruler and maker is the Lord God above. Oh, I'm going to a city and it's set on a hill. And someday I'll be in heaven and there'll be no sorrow there. Hello, everybody. God bless you today. This is Susan Puzio, and I want to welcome you to the Prophetic News radio broadcast on Blog Talk Radio, broadcasting since 2009. Oh, my goodness. It is 12 years and over 860,000 listens. And we praise God for that because, really, we don't do much publicity. And uh, so people really have to find us, which people find us. And uh, God brings the people. And we're so blessed that people tune in from all over the world. We have a good, of course, our best listenership is in the United States. And then we have Canada and Australia. And... South Africa, the United Kingdom, those are some of the biggest countries where we have listenership, but we do have other listeners in many other parts of the world, and we're grateful for that, that the Lord brings hungry people, and for the end-time church, we know that we're a small remnant when you think about the things that are going on in the world today, and uh, this pandemic that never seems to end and all the other crises that we're facing but we know that we have a lord and savior and no matter what we have to go through he's going to see us through i hope you enjoyed my selection last week and i am going to be playing more of these sermons in the future i think that was one of the best sermons i think i ever heard from david wilkerson was the Reproach of the Solemn Assembly. And if you haven't heard it, go to my Blog Talk Radio channel and play it for yourself. It is very, very moving and very timely even for this day. And back in at that time, I had sent David Wilkerson some, some videos that Jackie had a hand in, and we'll ask her about that when we put her on. But that were made by Joseph Chambers about the so-called laughing revival and people writhing like snakes and Kenneth Hagin with his tongue hanging out like a snake. And so he then mentioned those things in this sermon and he was on fire because he was appalled by what he was seeing that was being called Jesus and it had nothing to do with Jesus, but so let's bring our guest on today, Jackie. Am I coming in clear? Very good. Through many toils, trials, and snares. <laughs> we have already come. <laughs> <laughs> we have we have been through, I tell you, we have been through one crisis after another trying to get this program 
on because this is such an important topic. I think so many people are involved in these abusive church groups and these shepherding cults, and they probably don't even know. They just think they're being good little sheep. <laughs> follow the leader. Yes, yes. but we don't we question the leader. Just follow him. <laughs> That's it. Well, we follow the leader, and his name is Jesus. And you bet. all we need because human beings will let you down. You can guarantee, you can guarantee that I don't care how many years you're friends with somebody or how many years you're married or whatever, somebody's going to let you down. And oh, so, guaranteed. Yeah. So we have to be strong in the Lord and the power of his might and realize that we have one faithful friend. <laughs> more than a brother <laughs> more than a brother so right we know that we can count on Jesus but I think anybody that's been saved for any length of time you're you're going to realize that you're probably in one of these churches at, at one point now Jackie and I have both been saved since 1981 so we've been around for a long time we're old timers <laughs> in more ways <laughs> In more ways than one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's I know, true. I don't sound old, but I'm getting oh, up there. Oh, neither do I. I sound like yeah. I'm in my prime. <laughs> I know. Well, what can we say? We're probably we're probably still in our prime, except everything starts falling apart after a while. So, and oh. and you can't you can't stop time. No, I've taken enough fish oil pills, and they're not really slowing things down too much. <laughs> well, the, the Bible says something like beauty fades. Well, <laughs> that is the truth. <laughs> and there's no shame in that. <laughs> no. I mean, what can you do? Those things happen, but <laughs> when well, you're young, what you can you, well, what a lot of the women have done, they just go and get facelifts and whatever, whatever starts to go down, they push it up. And I mean, but you know, you can only, you only do that so long. Well, what are you going to do about your arms and everything? You go have your arms selling up. Everything starts hanging. No, you know, Joan Rivers was always one to make jokes about that. And then she died while she was under the knife. Yeah. Well, she went for that endoscopy and they choked her to death that's what happened yeah but, yeah but anyway it's it's scary though to think about having uh any kind of plastic surgery because they can really mess up your face really really bad so i wouldn't yeah be it's risky anybody. yeah i wouldn't be trusting anybody with my face especially it's, it is what it is love me yeah. or leave me there you go. I mean, it's a little comic relief for some of our women listeners out there that can feel the pain. <laughs> well, the men have, you know, <laughs> go under the knife, too. I mean, that famous quote of Robert Tilton, who said that he cried over, the, over his uh, pledges so much that it caused these deep grooves under his eyes, so he had to go get an eye lift. <laughs> Yeah, well, he's still crying because he isn't making as much money as he used to make. And I encourage people, really, if if you're if you're local, some of the local churches or whatever, whatever church you're near, and if, and if they're bringing in these pimp preachers as guest speakers, go over and do a protest. And uh, 
let your voice be heard because maybe little by little you can uh, cause these people to think and even the people that are going to these places because Jackie, as we know, back in the 1980s, especially this whole shepherding movement was very, very popular. Oh, I know. I mean, there were so many shepherding groups and they were just, you know, lifting things from one another in order to bring more followers to themselves. I know, um, you know, that, that Paul warned the Ephesian elders that, you know, savage wolves would come in after he left and they would be raising up disciples after themselves. And, and, and another term for the shepherding movement is the discipleship movement. Now, there's nothing wrong with true discipleship with a older, an older saint helping along a younger saint and, and advising them and, and those kinds of things. Uh, but the younger saint should never be in unquestioned obedience to the older saint. They're there to, to help and to, um, you know, be part, you, you know, I, you were asking me earlier about a scripture and I thought of this one after we quit, after we hung up that if your leader doesn't behave like Jesus, then don't follow him as if he's Jesus. And very, I don't think if anyone can live up to it, but Jesus said, come to me, all you who labor and are heavy burden, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. For I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. And if somebody puts burdens on you that isn't light, and who puts a yoke on you to, to, to tell you to, you know, you know, when you can buy a car and who you can marry and those kinds of things, then that's not an easy yoke. Anyone who comes between us and the Lord is in the way. Be in the wrong way. In fact, there's a there's literally, a call, call, call in, the way. Yeah, yeah. yeah literally in the way. Yeah. <laughs> literally, because there is, you know, there's there's no intermediator between between me and the Lord except Christ Jesus is our Lord, and no man gets in between us because no man can say those things and say that they are gentle and lowly of heart and and will give you rest for your souls. No. No man can say that. Only Jesus could say that. And anyone who wants to be like Jesus or, or, well, anyone who truly has his Holy Spirit and is not giving into the flesh is going to show those characteristics. Yeah, it's true. It's true. I, I think it's like anything else when power goes to people's heads, if they achieve some kind of leadership position in the body of Christ. And then all of a sudden they turn into a monster or they turn into a person that you can't relate to. You can't treat them like a normal person. You can't call them by their first name. They demand that you call them by their title, which none of the apostles ever did. They, you can't find a place in the New Testament where they said, Apostle Paul said this or <laughs> Apostle John said this. It was always Paul and Apostle. And they didn't give themselves flattering titles, which there's a scripture in Job that says that, that you're not supposed to give flattering titles onto men. And if I, if I have a chance here, I'll look that up for you. But we have to be relatable. We have to be grounded. We have to think, we, we can't think more highly of ourselves. I don't care what fivefold ministry gift you are. It doesn't make you any better than any other member of the body of Christ. And we should always be encouraging people to 
to not lay aside their critical thinking. They should be able to think for themselves and they should be able to question what uh, their fearless leader is saying. You know, and there's nothing wrong with seeking advice and counselors for things. There's big decisions in your life and things like that. But nobody can lord it over you and tell you this is what you must do, you know, as far as, you know, whether you should marry so-and-so or, uh, you know, or, or you know, the, the different things in life like buying a house or moving from one place to another. I mean, a lot of the shepherding leaders back in the day literally decided where a person could live and what, what the standard of living they could have and I mean, pretty much what they could eat and everything that was lorded over them. I, I know that my uh, one of my former pastors, Joe Foch at Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia, he used to say, hey, I have a hard time uh, making my own decisions and don't ask me to make yours. You know? yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But they teach you in so many of these shepherding groups that you must submit and uh, your pastor knows what's best for you. Well, like, like this pastor was saying, I can already make up my own decisions. I can't make yours. And yet a lot of these churches, if you want to call them that, they, fought, they really like to foster this thing because they love the limelight. They love the fact that people are kind of idolizing them. And uh, they like to keep the people in bondage so that, Anything that they say goes, and that's not healthy. Well, those are control methods in order to keep people from going to another church. I mean, some of these guys see their, their themselves as in competition with other churches. And so, you know, yeah. they, they, they come up with, with fleshly ideas of, you know, how can we let these people know if they go to another church? By golly, they're they're without our permission. That was a big thing back in the day. Oh, that's still a big thing. Yeah, I mean, if somebody decided to change churches, they were telling them, uh, you need to talk to the new people and see the last church they left and why they left it. And if they had the the freedom from their from their covering, from their pastor to go to a different church because we don't want that church's problems coming over here. And so that's the way that they would even work among themselves, you see. Oh, yeah. Uh, I heard Paula White say that a few weeks ago, that if anybody wanted to leave her church, they had to get her permission. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, and and where, where do they get scripture for that? Because all Christian churches are the body of Christ. And if we are are more in line, you know, with, with people more like-minded in one church over the body that meets in the other one, a lot of it doesn't even necessarily depend on the pastor. A lot of it could well have to do with the people in the congregation. If you go in there and everybody's in a clique and they don't um, make room for you, well, you're not going to feel comfortable there. And so you'll go to a place where you can you know, gather with others because that's part of the fellowship is, 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 is it's not the top down, you know, it, no, it's one, no a, it's one another. I know I had to leave a church just because it, they had no, everybody after the mess service was over would just head to their cars and leave. There was no, there wasn't even space to stand around and talk to each other. And a lot of churches that are trying to have two services and they're trying to shove you out the door while they're bringing yeah. people in, where do you have any fellowship? And especially this particular one where there was no outside gatherings um, 
you know, where, where you could get to know one another, you, be, you remained strangers. And I mean, I could turn on, you know, a, a message online and get the same result. And so that's an issue that, you know, should be, you know, I think it's because it's not the way things happen when you look at the church in Acts. Did that ever happen in the church of Acts? In the churches, in, you know, that, that, that were established throughout in the book of Acts, people knew one another. They, you know, and, and that just sometimes, and, and the bigger the worse. You, you ever gone to a mega church where you sit next to a different person every time and you say, oh, give me a little show of fellowship. And, you know, and you used to shake hands. I guess now you got to rub elbows. Well, they're, they're, some of the churches are telling people to shake hands and hug, which I don't think is very wise. It's really, no, days, I mean, right? the pandemic is not over. And I have a friend right now that's very sick with, with the virus on oxygen for a month now. And uh, she doesn't know how she got it. So it's like we should still be using caution. Of course. Well, but no, they're you know, just telling and, people smack the hand and go hug and shake hands, and I'm I like, know. you shouldn't tell people to do that right now, really. No, and you wonder when this will change. And I mean, because I have been, like I said, the that that Calvary Chapel that I went to in Philly, we everybody got to know each other, and most of the most of the churches, well, the ones I've gone to over the years because I've moved so many times. That's why I've gone to so many yeah, churches. Yeah, you love to move. <laughs> I'm a nomad. I've lived in five you states. Are. <laughs> but the ones that do have a, a separate place other than in the in the auditorium, I won't even call it a sanctuary because that's a misnomer, but within the auditorium area. And you could, you know, see each other outside, you know, the places, ones that have bookstores that sell the Bibles and things like that. I think that that's places where people can literally rub elbows and get to know each other. And, and ones that also have, if the mega churches have home fellowships, then you may have a chance to get together with others. But even in home shop fellowships, you can find people that just have picked up this leaven of shepherding. I mean, I went to this home fellowship when I was an early believer. And if I missed, I'd get a call from the guy who handed up the home fellowship. Well, where were you? Why didn't you come? You know, Anyone who chases you down like that and, and you, you, you know, you can't by your own decision attend or not attend, you know, because life gets in the way of things like that a lot of times, they, they shouldn't be tracking you down. Well, you know, you're accountable to us. That, that's a thing. You'll oh, yeah, a that's lot. a big one. Yeah, you hear that a lot. Yeah. Oh, well, am I accountable for, for, for to you for you know, for where I go, for what I drive, for uh, how many children I choose to have. I mean, you know, no, I'm not. Accountability to one another has everything to do with if your brother sins, then you correct one in a spirit of humility, lest you too be tempted. That is accountability. Yeah, well, the thing is, they don't realize, and I say to people, if they say, who is your covering? I say, Jesus and then they're appalled. Well, who's your covering? Well, that's not good enough. Like, come on. Who's well, got X-ray I vision except Jesus? He's got, he sees everything. Does my pastor, does the pastor look into your house with his camera, his camera phone, and he's watching everything you do, and then he knows when you sin. Like, get real already, please. He knows when you're sleeping. He knows when you're awake. And he knows if you've been bad or good. <laughs> 
well, you know what? And also, I dare anybody to say that's not good enough. That Jesus my, is my the hair covering. is my covering. I dare you. you. Know, I, I'm not bald. I have uh, my hair is my covering, and uh, you know it's almost down to my waist. So I guess you know I can say that. Well, that's my covering. My hair controls me. <laughs> well, there's a scripture here, and I'll read it in, I, in Isaiah, and uh, it's Isaiah chapter 30, verse one. Woe to the rebellious children, saith the Lord, that take counsel, but not of me, and that cover. Mm-hmm. With a covering, but not of my spirit, they may add sin to sin. So nobody has a right mm. in the body of Christ to lord it over another person. Because we can all miss it. We can all miss it. And we need Jesus. And everybody has the Holy Spirit. I like to encourage people to, be, to listen to the Holy Spirit on them, for themselves. Because people could give you counsel, and, and sometimes they mean well by giving you the counsel, but it may not be for you. That may well, be they don't usually, because they don't usually see the whole picture. They don't know every element of, of no. the kids. It's not one size fits all as far as even counseling goes, because everybody's no. in a different circumstances. They have, you know, different things going on, and they might not have, be, have even the time to tell you every element that is directing them to a decision. And only they can do that. Someone can't do that for you. No, no, no. And and uh, I know when I was a young Christian, some of the churches I was associated with, they would kind of foster this idea of being under the authority and being under the covering and that kind of thing. And then you kind of let yourself go there because you, you feel protected. You feel protected until your covering so-called does something to you that's quite shocking which usually happens. And, yes. and then yes. if you're not mature enough, you could backslide because you say, wow, I was really trusting the pastor yeah. and he disappointed me. Well, he's going to disappoint you. <laughs> and that's misplaced trust. And if it's loyalty to, you know, your pastor or your Christian leader, no matter what, you're going to be loyalty, loyal to them, no matter what they do. Well, then that's being disloyal to Jesus. You know, yes, because you you can follow others as they follow Christ, you know. And as they a, follow nothing, Christ, exactly. Right, as they follow Christ. But you have to make sure they are. And if they divert onto the broad road, you better stay on the narrow one. Yeah, I like the narrow one better. And I, I think that <laughs> it, it, of course, being for, 40 years now saved, both of us. And so we've seen a lot of things. We've, we've been through a lot of things that so we've got a little bit of wisdom anyway on some things. So I've been around long enough to know, no, I'm not putting my trust in any human being because they can fail me and I'm going to be disappointed. But I know one person that has never failed me. He's never let me down. He sticks closer than a brother. He watches over me. He takes care of me. He takes care of me. Praise the Lord. He really does. And I will never be disappointed serving the Lord. So I think it's a good thing for people to develop that mindset. Yes, you can receive godly counsel from men and women of God, and they can help you. They can. They can help you. But they can also do things that are motivated by their greed 
by the fact that they want your 10%. They make you sign these tithing declarations in a lot of the churches. If you want to be a member, you have to tithe. Otherwise, they won't give you membership. Mm. Well, again, are they the Levite priesthood to whom you are to tithe? <laughs> they think they're the Levite priesthood. <laughs> they they they. I notice when they teach on Malachi, they always throw it in there. And, of course, there's nothing in there in Scripture that says that the storehouse is the local church. They, they make that up. There's no Scripture for that. And no. Uh, so that, no. And so if they're making things up and there's no Scripture for it, then don't buy it. Well, Check the Scripture, the scripture regarding our money is 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 holding those who do teach the word, holding them in high regard, and do help them with their sustenance. It doesn't mean that you can put a percentage on that, but as Christians, we are generous, and and we Normal, do want naturally, naturally, right? We're and that's how come banging us over the head. No, that's why we, we're easy to take advantage of because yeah, because we are so yeah, yeah. And and we should share all things with you know with those who are in need and and be there as a help. That's what the body of Christ helps one another, and we take on one another's burdens. And um, you know, it, a lot of people say, well, the the you know the church and Acts they held all things together. They are really communistic. Well, they put not all things together, but they did share of of their abundance for those who lacked. And so they're there's nothing wrong with that. But again, the Lord loves a cheerful giver and, and, and not to do anything under compulsion, but, no. you know, give from, from, from your heart and, from and, your heart. And, and from the Holy Spirit and the guidance of the Holy Spirit and those things. And, and, and our, anything that we own, our money, our house, whatever it is, if, um, if God puts it a burden upon us to to share that, to let our homes be used as a gathering place, to help people, you know, drive to the church if they don't have a car. I mean, that's how we serve one another. And so you can't turn those things into some legal, uh, you must do this and that and all size fits all. No, you can't. One size fits all, yeah. We're helping that we can kind of bring about a revolution, so to speak, that people will will be able to hear from the Holy Spirit for themselves about who they should help, who they should give to. And mm-hmm. I know in the churches that I've been in where they made you sign these tithing declarations, we couldn't we could never think for ourselves about, well, maybe I'd want to give my brother sitting next to me some money, but then you think I already gave my 10%. And that's a lot of what people think is that, they're giving the 10% then to the church, and then the pastor decides who he's going to be kind to. Well, that's not the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to be able to decide for ourselves who we're going to be kind to. <laughs> you know, that reminds me of something that happened to me. When, it, when I was a fairly new believer for a short period of time, I went to the late Pastor Gene Scott's church, Faith Center in, in Glendale, California. Yeah. And... Uh, and I would, you know, assist by answering the phones. You know, he had a whole phone line of people calling in because he was also off on the, he was on the radio and on local television. And he was kind of crazy, but I was, I started there before he really went off the deep end because that does happen sometimes. And, um, yeah, he and, did, I, and, he did. and I became friends with a couple of his engineers. They were roommates and, um, and, and, 
they had nothing in the refrigerator. They had nothing to eat. Yeah, and I and I said, and I and he says, well, uh, Dr. Scott is saying, you know, he didn't get enough money in, so he had to hold off on our salaries and this, that, and the other. And so I had, I was, you know, taught by him. I had to tithe, and he would check on your tithing records. And so I started tithing to those engineers instead because yeah. he wasn't paying them. And so, yeah. of, but, but if I wanted to advance any, any more with certain things, he would check on your tithing record. Well, there was no record yeah. of my tithing because I was tithing to the engineers he wouldn't pay. Well, that's, the, <laughs> that's how it is. I heard, I, uh, again, when I was watching Paula White about a week ago, she's getting over a million dollars a year. Imagine that. And uh, so, but she wants volunteers to come and help with the food distribution and, and whatever. They don't want to pay these people for their time. No, they want you to volunteer. And meanwhile, they're making a million dollars. That's not right. That's not the way it's supposed to be. You're supposed to pay people. Volunteering is wonderful on a short-term basis and maybe for a few hours a week, but not if they have you volunteering 20, 30, 40 hours a week and you're not getting paid. No, you're the not supposed to worthy. treat people. That's right. The you're worthy of your hire. That's right. And, and if so, the church has the money, if they're taking in paying the pastor a million dollars or 500000 or whatever, and they won't pay you, no, that's not right. Well, yeah, Gene Scott lived in a mansion and yeah. you know, had, his, had his, his, you know, centerfold girlfriend there with him and yet couldn't pay the engineers. <laughs> yeah, and that's usually the way it is. And that's what I found out when I was in these big churches and they were demanding that you pay tithes and I... I and there's a guy working the soundboard, and he's there every Sunday doing the sound for the church, and every Wednesday doing the sound. And meanwhile, he didn't have a phone, and he had three children and no telephone. And I'm like, oh, no. he doesn't have a he doesn't have a phone, and he's working here, and this church can't make sure that he gets a phone. This mm. is ridiculous. So, uh, and like enough already, enough. <laughs> so. We have to be aware of these things, and when when uh, you if you're in a church or you're following somebody, and all they do is talk about money, and they talk about give to me, and uh, all your prayers will be answered, and God will bless you, and whatever, and and uh, we demand that you do this. If you don't do it, if you don't sow in the right soil, then God isn't going to bless you. But like, turn your back on these people. And it's like enough is enough already. But Jackie, I see that I did load that TED audio, but it's not showing up here on my soundboard. Oh, I don't well, know if, if you can. I don't know if you can play it somehow. But anyway, let's start out. We'll see if we can fix this. What do you want me to play first, Earn Baxter or Longo? Uh, probably Ern Baxter. Now, for, for background on that, the so-called shepherding movement of, of which we speak was, well, was, was named that after the men that were called the Fort Lauderdale Five back in the 70s. There were these five teachers that decided to get together and kind of um, pretty much turn, turn shepherding and lording it over one another as a systematic theology that really spread like leaven in a lot of churches and it gave a lot of groundwork to various shepherding groups that that came into existence and so some of these I have had run-ins with in in when my husband and I were doing a lot of 
of, well, cult, cult ministry, trying to get people out of cults. And then it turned out it, we had to help get young people out of these shepherding groups that were really abusive to them and that were all, almost always separating families and um, requiring uh, their their loyalty to the leader. And so the the five of these men, their names are Don Basham, Bob Mumford, Derek Prince, Charles Simpson, and Ern Baxter. Now, the, the church as a whole rebelled against it after a while when so many abuses were being done because of their, their little theology that they came up with. And, um, and so I, I think there's a, there was a lot of leaven that gets spread that you don't even know. And this Ern Baxter... He was one that really didn't repent of these things. Uh, Don Basham is about the only one that really came out publicly and admitted that they were spreading error. And the others, you know, just kind of all broke up and went away. But the the leaven that they brought in just kept on spreading. And to this day, it still affects a lot of people, and they don't even know where it came from. So I think one of – you'll see by this clip of Ern Baxter – one of those that influenced him. And again, he was part of the charismaniac side of the church and uh, followed false prophets. Okay. All right, let's play the clip. Well, I probably would say that, and I say this without prejudice, and I say it with a deep affection for William Hannon. Um, I think that Brother Branham probably walked in all the lights that he had. Uh, He certainly was not what you and I would call a theologian. Uh, He was a man who had some rather strange views of the scripture. Uh, I think as in the latter reign, and as in Pentecost, and as in the charismatic dimension, and many people don't understand me when I say this because I have been in all of these. Um, when, a, when a, an evangelical or a non-charismatic criticizes Pentecostalism and the charismatic dimension and William Branham and so on, I say, whoa, now just a minute. I want to talk to you. A, a man coming out of the evangelical realm criticizing the charismatic, to me, I'm going to take up for the charismatic. Mm-hmm. But then, having done that, I want to say to the charismatic, where's the word dimension? And one of my deep concerns that I, I've held almost all my life is that it's the word dimension that seems to get shortchanged in the charismatic. It's the spirit dimension that gets shortchanged in the evangelical realm. And my lifelong dream has been to see these two come together. I think when if the word and the spirit could come together in some kind of a permanent union, we'd, we'd blow the world into the kingdom of God. Hmm. Okay, so if you're an evangelical, you don't have the Holy Spirit, according to to uh, Ern Baxter. You oh. see? And and of course, if you do have the Spirit and you don't have the Word, then you know, then anything goes. And that's really the way it went. Of course, that was an older an older tape. I'm not even sure how old that was, but so you know, pretty old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because. <laughs> That was that was the rhetoric that went around, you know, uh, and and those those shepherding groups, most of them were tended to be charismatic because the leader who wanted yeah. all of this 
you know, dedication to him was the one hearing from God. So he wasn't yeah. one that said that it was just solo scriptura. You wouldn't get that from no, one of these that leaders. Was big. That was big as far as yeah, your pastor hears from God. The, that was a big teaching in the uh, charismatic circles is that you couldn't have the Holy Spirit unless you spoke in tongues, which isn't true because either when you're born again, when you're born again, you get the Holy Spirit. Either you get the Holy Spirit or you don't when you're born again. So that was kind of a contradiction, too. Yeah, and a lot of churches you couldn't even join unless you, they said you weren't even saved if, if you couldn't speak in tongues. And then they would teach you how to speak in tongues. Yeah. Oh, well, just, you know, say a few syllables, you know, baba gaga, boo boo, and uh, keep on going and practice it. Yeah, well, that's not how the gifts are received. No, but they did that a lot. They did that a lot. They were That was a real big teaching in uh, Pentecostal charismatic circles. Is, Do you have the Holy Spirit? And I used to think to myself, well, I'm born again. <laughs> and uh, I think I have the Holy Spirit. I think that when I was born again. Um, you were baptized in Christ. <laughs> yeah. So I, I used to have One a baptism. Yeah, I used to have a conflict with that. But, of course, like when you're first saved, you question yeah. things, but you don't question you don't question too much because you don't know that much. But then again, right. once you get older in the faith, you, you should question. You should never stop questioning. If it doesn't line up with the word of God, you should never stop questioning. And if, and if a person... Any minister, so-called minister or, or minister of the gospel, if they can't receive correction and they can't realize that maybe you missed it there, if somebody points something out to me and says, well, here's the scripture for it, you're saying something else, but here's the scripture, I have to say, well, I'm sorry, I'm wrong, because mm-hmm. it's, the, it's, what, it, it's always what the scripture says before what anybody else says. And, and you know, these ideas are not new as far as as unquestioning loyalty to a so-called superior. Uh, you know, this was a big part of the, the Jesuits and their obedience to, to whoever their spiritual director was, whoever was above them, and of course the bishop and on up to the pope. You had, even if it sounded wrong and you didn't like it, you still had to accept it and believe it because to deny them is to deny Christ because they do stand between you and Christ. And if you're not faithful to that leader, then, uh, and he is the shep- the under shepherd under Jesus, you know, the, the main shepherd, then yeah. you are disobedient to Jesus. And that's the kind of, of guilt trips that they would lay on people. And a lot, a, a lot of things that would, I know this one group that would have what was called the hot, and and you would they would go out into you know take the whole group out to some wilderness area somewhere by a lake or whatever you know and act like it's a vacation, and people would have to take turns sitting on the hot seat, and the hot seat the the the, the, the all the people the, the little group would gather around in the, in this and there'd be a chair in the middle and that person would have to sit on the hot seat and confess to the whole group the sin that besets him so easily. Okay. Yeah. His his worst sin, and then everybody there was to mock and ridicule and yell at him and humiliate him because the leader said you had to be you have to lose yourself uh, and and destroy it all in order to be built up only in Christ and to get rid of all those things of the flesh, and that's the way you did it by pretty much 
you know, destroying your personality so that you could build yeah. it up in Christ, okay? And, and that yeah. was also common in New Age cults like Est, which yeah. was the renamed Forum. That right. was what they would do. It was, it was these exercises and humiliation so that then you can be totally emptied of yourself and then you could build yourself up in Christ and not until you were kind of humiliated. And people suffered their suicides and all kinds of things that people suffered, suffered because of those kinds of suffered. treatments. Yeah. Yeah. That's, it was very cool. But I know I've known groups like that myself in, in my many years of walking through Christianity. And I've seen those kind of things. Well, confess your faults one to another. Be careful who you tell things to. Because <laughs> yeah, because they'll use it against you they'll later. They'll use it against you later. It, Trust me, that will happen. I know. So. And, you know, there's this... Uh, during the 70s, this church that built up in Chicago called uh, Jesus People USA, Japuza, we, we always called it. And yeah, they, they had, had that magazine, right? Yeah, um, they had, yeah, Cornerstone. yeah, what was that? Um, Cornerstone. Yeah. And at, in the early days, now they had to, you know, they got criticized too much for that. They would have, the elders would, would give out adult spankings. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Yes. And the children, they all lived communally, okay? Yeah. And once your child was weaned, your child didn't live with you anymore. They were put in the children's section, and then they were discipled as they grew up by the whole group. They said, oh, well, parents aren't going to raise the children here. We're all going to raise the children. So everybody had a hand in the discipline and everything of the children. And they also arranged marriages. I won't name him by name, but he's he, he. uh, was one of the leaders there. He he was a former homosexual, I think. I mean, I can't put it this way. Uh, so I guess since he wasn't so inclined towards women, the, the the elders told him who to marry, and they made sure that it was an interracial relationship as a testimony for how they are so open to things, you know. So, uh, but he's with her to this day. I will say that. They did stay together, and that's good, praise the Lord, but sometimes that happens. And it's funny because um, my husband and I, when we ran Eastern Christian Outreach in um, Philadelphia in the 80s and into the 90s, this was a ministry where, where we would, ha- you know, try to get everybody to bed, to get the guys on the run who were abusing people, and we get people out of shepherding groups and out of, uh, uh, out of cults. And then find a place for them to all come together and everything. But anyway, um, in those days, it was, what was I getting at? <laughs> I, I, I backtracked. But the people were really, really wounded by these groups. And, um, you Very know, we, so. Very it, was, it so. was so sad because they really go after the young people who aren't established. If you aren't grounded in the word, you are easy pickings. Yeah, you're easy and, picking. And that's well, what we because discovered you want to please. over the years. And they know that about Christians is that we want to please, we want to, we have compassion. And to take that kind of thing and manipulate people for their own greed or whatever, their own power-hungry egos, it's disgusting. It really is. It's horrible. And you're not supposed to lord it over anybody. You're not the lord. Yeah, but can you imagine letting your children be raised by the whole group? And that's what they did at Japuza. Never. I and, didn't know that. And, of course, Cornerstone was a, they did some very good investigations. I, I think they needed to, to investigate themselves. 
Well, that was only because the ones that run, ran Cornerstone Magazine, they there was, you know, a couple guys that, you know, were really much into apologetics, and they went outside the group and found other apologists and that kind of thing to help them along. And they did some good tracks, you know, and they would go out witnessing. And, you know, so there was some good within the group. Things are not always just all good or all bad, but they fell into this this shepherding idea of, you know, in a communal thing, they they over blew it with the with the communal living, where yeah. you know I, I, and, I never cared for communal living. <laughs> well, <laughs> Not for I, me. <laughs> I mean, you know, at least they let the husbands and wives sleep together, but the but the kids couldn't be in the same section. No, 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 no. That's too. Uh, no. That just sounds too much like before you got saved and they had these uh, communes and whatever. So, no, it's better for you. It's it's enough to have one wife, never mind, uh, or one husband under a roof and your own children. Never mind having everybody's children, everybody's husbands and wives. It, it was probably chaos most of the time, I would say. Well, we have more clips to play, don't we? Do? Yeah. So what do you, do we have the star clip and the longo, the stare. Uh, oh, stare. That? Yeah. Bro, yeah. Yeah. I would start with brother stare because this affects Marco Longo because Marco Longo, Anthony Marco Longo, this is back in the late eighties. He was a leader of a little group called the church of uh, the church of our first love. And they met in a diner in Philadelphia and they were extremely abusive to everybody. They separated families. They did all the usual thing. Marco Longo, um, you know, uh, wanted sexual favors from the women, even the, even the married women. And uh, the same thing with the, with his prophet who is called brother stare. So, so the prophet, Brother Stair was in South Carolina, and he was saying that everybody needs, you know, he had a, he had a ham, not a ham radio or shortwave radio program. Yeah. Yeah. That people would listen to around the country. And he was telling everybody uh, to sell everything and get out of the cities and come join us at the Overcomers Campground here in South Carolina. Because if you, if, if you wait too long, the end of the year, there's going to be a, uh, a nuclear war, and um, well, anyway, but you can hear some of the things he says in this clip. This was an interview on KKLA back in the day with with uh, the host with John Stewart. He's the brother of Don Stewart, the the prophecy teacher. And John Stewart interviewed my my late husband Bill, and we were in the thick of writing and and getting in the middle of this group to try to help people get out because they were dividing families and because we had written articles in the local newspaper there about this group. All the families started calling us and contacting us through the newspaper where my husband used to be a daily news reporter at. And so, uh, so we ended up getting the thick of this going on television shows. This play, this show in Philly called people are talking. It was an NBC affiliate with Jerry Pen- Penicoli. Was that his name? I, it's been so long. It's hard to remember all these things, but this, this thing just, just, all of 1988 just about totally took every bit of us. In fact, one of the guys, of the families that we helped wise up, they came out of church and they ended up going to our church. And to this day, he who was the second in command over under Marco Longo is an elder at uh, 
at Calvary Chapel, Philadelphia. Wow. <laughs> yeah, so it, you know, and they were mad at us, but they still. Oh yeah, they get mad. They, get mad. they got mad yeah. at us. But we, oh, we, yeah. we became we became good friends once they saw the light. So that's good. But yeah, play the portion of that interview. I think it's four minutes or so. Yeah. Okay, here we go. It's four o'clock and time for John Stewart live. We're back, but now it's time to go to Pennsylvania to talk to Bill Alnor. Bill's an investigative journalist and a reporter in the state of Pennsylvania. He's the associate editor of the Christian Research Journal and on the editorial staff of the National and International Religion Report. Good afternoon, Bill. Hey, how you doing? Just fine. Well, I introduced our audience to Brother Thayer, someone who's new to me, the leader of this, uh, I guess it's some new cult centered in South Carolina, but it's more than just some kook because I understand people are packing up in your area and are selling their belongings, their churches, and leaving to join him. That's right. I'm trying to determine right now how many others across America are doing the same thing. Well, Bill, tell us, first of all, what do you know about the, the background of this so-called Brother Thayer who calls himself the Father Apostle? Actually, his name is Brother R.G. Stair, S-T-A-I-R. Stair. Basically, he claims that he received a revelation from God, according to his revelation that it's time to stop praying for America. America is going to be judged. By the end of April, uh, there will be a total economic collapse, he says, followed shortly by the removal of President Reagan from office, not followed by a nuclear war in which every city in the United States will, will crumble, will fall, will, and millions will be killed, and only those that follow him will be saved. There are people in the Philadelphia area, three small churches, that are selling all their belongings right now, and they're going to be joining him in South Carolina. He has a survivalist compound. I understand you have an excerpt of one of his tapes that you could play for us to give us a sample of what this man sounds like. Okay. This is R.G. Stare. My servant, I want you this day to speak or to my people, and or to the United States of America. For the day of her judgment has now come up before me, and it's time that I must move against this nation and against those within her ranks who call themselves my people. You have mocked me, and I have told you I would not be mocked. I have told you that if you continually sow to the flesh, you would of the flesh reap corruption. Now hear me. Hear me, America. I am going to bring you down. I, the Almighty God, am now speaking it by the voice of a prophet ordained by me with his words in my mouth. You have spoken against him. But now you shall see that the vision and the burden of his heart that I have burned like holy fire in his bosom as he cried out to you to return, this shall come to pass. You are going to witness it with your own eyes. For the judgments of the Lord, and now in 1987, are going to be fulfilled heavily upon this nation. The day of judgment is at hand. The day of retribution is at hand. You have walked before me in total, complete rebellion and disregard to my words of holiness. You have spurned my cry of love. You have rejected my offer of mercy. You have walked in your own ways. And you said, we will not listen. You dishonor me. 
You have even gone further than that. You have embarrassed me. You have used my name and you have lived in such filth. You have practiced such unholy lifestyles. Think of it. Some of you dishonoring your bodies amongst yourself and homosexualizes and many idolatrous states, and then you get up and say, it doesn't matter to me, oh, holy God. Think of it, you women who are ashamed of your womanhood, and you dress like men, and you walk around blandly smoking your cigarettes and bobbing off your hair and painting your face, and then you <laughs> use my name and justify it. Judgment is in America today. It begins... In the year 1987, it becomes reality because of the voice of my servant, the prophet, who has obeyed me to speak. Hear ye him. Bill. Yeah. So this was an excerpt from one of his radio messages that he's given? Yes, that is from uh, today's message uh, that went coast to coast. Bill, I understand there have been some people based on his preachings of his sheer authoritarianism, his perfectionism. They practice shepherding. They practice all kinds of authoritarian behaviors, such as the, the women can't wear pants. Uh, they can't wear makeup. <laughs> don't, don't bob your hair now, Jack. <laughs> hey, it's not bobbed, actually. <laughs> my mother used to put a bowl on my head and bob my hair as a kid, and I haven't cut my hair since. No, I <laughs> mean. Yeah, no, we used to get a bowl on our head. <laughs> hey, that really dates us. It Justin. looked like it. It looked like it, too. I said to my mother, why did you give me that hair? Well, I didn't know how to fix long hair. <laughs> but anyway, last night I listened to that whole message because it, it is online at, uh, what is it, oh, stare.com or something. I can't remember where I found it. But it was the same one that Bill took a took a, a link out of, you know, a, an excerpt of that message and and played it on John Stewart Live. And I, um, I took that one out and put this clip in because this was a better clip. But the other one was just, you know, crying about America allowing the Catholic Church to operate. But you know, but when we were listening to it last night, we were kind of laughing and saying, well, you know, he might have been, you know, several decades too early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. He, he was right true. about God ju- judging America, but as far as him being the final authority, uh, the prophet and the oh, final authority, no, yeah. you know, in in he was he was you talk about charismatic and he brother Stare, you know, he he passed away last April at the age of eighty seven, and he 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 died in prison awaiting his trial for molesting the women and children at his overcomers camp. I guess he didn't quite oh, overcome my. that sin, you see. No, I guess he didn't he didn't judge himself. Covering and so, and, and all. Right, I know. Because he was everybody else's covering. And yeah, even this yeah. was in the in the eighties. This was well before the holy laughter stuff. But he would get into that holy laughter thing and there's this one uh, re, where a reporter went down there to try to get him, and he even he even spoke to the reporter, but the reporter was standing out in front of the place where they were meeting and having a, 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 a you know a, a service going on, and he's in there talking about Stare, and Stare's in there screaming and yelling like you just heard him here, and all of a sudden Stare started cackling like a chicken, <laughs> and it was the creepiest sound. Because it really sounded, I mean, it, it, it wasn't a chicken, though they had chickens there, but because you could hear him, you know, in the middle of his message, just start cackling like a chicken. 
And so he was really off the wall. And, and, and um, sadly, he still had that, that compound. He still has that compound. Well, of course, he, he passed away. But, well, no, the, the compound kind of broke up. And mostly it was oh. people... It was people in their trailers. He was only one in the house. Everybody else were living in trailers or whatnot oh. and, and working on, on – they were expecting to – Yeah, volunteering. Yeah, and, well, they were, they were <laughs> growing food. They were, you know, oh, yeah. and all that kind of stuff So because it was – they were supposed to, you know, get through the seven years of tribulation or something. They were going to go and, you know, get through that. And, you know, because he expected all these awful things to happen. Well, you know, those things still seem to be, pen, you know, pending with America's direction they're going into. But he used that as a way to get everybody not only to sell their house, but to take that money and put it into his yeah, bank, his yeah. fund. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. And they would sell those houses, you know, pennies on the dollar because they were in such a hurry to get away before all, yeah. you know, the, so the fire fell, you see. So you yeah. talk about grand manipulation. Brother Stair was good at it. Now, a couple of the churches in the area in Philly did go down there and um, with some very sad ramifications because this one girl, Linda, uh, she was um, expecting a baby. She was like eight months pregnant when they sold it, their house and went down there. And we were trying to get her to get out of there because he taught against doctors. It was a sin to go to a doctor. And her first child had to be born cesarean because she had, um, I don't know, a tilted uterus or something. She couldn't give birth without a C-section. And so we were begging her. Everybody was begging her to get out of there and to get to the doctors. Well, she ended up in something like a 32-hour labor, and the baby died in, in, oh, in childbirth. No. Yes, yeah, so there was many disasters like that because of the teaching against, against doctors of any kind. And, and, and then when they, then as devastated as they were, when they finally wised up and decided to get out of there, Brother Stair yelled at them and said, dig up your baby and take him with you. <gasps> okay, that's how nice this guy was, right? Well, oh, wow. the other group that he, because because the people in Delaware County, which is, you know, a suburb of Philly where, where my husband had been a reporter with the Delaware County Daily Times, we wrote a series of articles about the brother Stare and all this stuff, and Stare didn't want any of this group coming down because their families were the ones making the most noise, and he thought that trouble would only follow them. So he told them until every one of them can prove that they're totally out of debt, they cannot come as a group. So so Mark Alongo took his group out into a wilderness. Um, oh, where did he go? And you know, in in um, somewhere in another county near near Philadelphia, but away from the city where they all started having to live themselves communally after they sold their properties. Yeah. And then he started the same abuse with the women and children and everything as what, what Stair did. So there's this evil spirit, you know, as far as their attitude towards women, which is when they, when very they start, evil. yeah, yeah, it is, it is. So long, anyway, those clips that I play, maybe we could give people a, I want you to note the same tone of voice that this guy took as the prophet that he was following because they they steal each other's words, they they emulate one another and then they look just as bad as the guy that that they follow. Well, yeah, they like to accuse women of 
silly women being led astray. Well, who are they being led astray by? So I mean, this no. is not to put down my wonderful brothers in Christ, but the ones that try to lord it over you and they try to they try to blame a woman. But who's doing the seducing, by the way? And they like to throw around that scripture where, well, Eve was the first one to sin. Yeah, but Adam followed right along. He could have said no, but he didn't. Well, so, these women in, in both in these both cases, ways. the victims, the victims of Stare and Mark Alongo, they didn't seduce this guy. OK, these these guys were not that appealing <laughs> and or, you know, uh, and it was the other way around. And and so, yeah, you know, their attitude towards women is they're useful for one thing. You know, well, that's not respecting women. No, it's not respecting women. It isn't. But it's it's a bad attitude and it shouldn't be. If somebody has these these kind of attitudes towards women, then you need to run away from these kind of people. Because usually what happens when these groups talk like that, they have their own issues with their own uh, sex uh, things. So, <laughs> yeah, their sex hang-ups. So then they try to cover it up by being so legalistic about things. Exactly. And, yeah. you know, and you see this influence even in people that you wouldn't think were in a, well, this person that I had been associated with um, up until 2014, he, and my husband passed away in 2011, but then I won't get into all the circumstances, but, um, you know, he had this problem with women or something, and 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 they... I don't know. They see women as just second-class citizens. He wrote to me after, you know, again, this is a couple of years after my husband died. He said, Bill, was, Bill is with the Lord. Meanwhile, you seem to need a new head covering to keep you away from thinking as the serpent wants you to. As Paul says, let the younger widows remarry, and you are not an old lady yet. Do you want me to try and fix you up with somebody under the protective covering of a godly husband? Gifted women like you can make first-class helpmates. Don't worry. He won't be a brute, even though you may call him one. How do you wow. like that? And, and see, that's just it, this whole idea Terrible. of a covering and, uh, you know, that somebody can come between you and the Lord. And, again, <laughs> that is a twisting of scripture. And that's something they're good at, is twisting scripture. You know, is a woman to follow her husband? Let's Okay, let's give him the headship in the house. Does that mean that if, if he backslides, you've got to backslide along with him in order to be a good helpmate? <laughs> you know, I know my husband and I, when we were, you know, the first 10 years of our marriage, we're very much involved in, in these these in the ministry to which we were called and we we got along we got along swell is is in, until he changed direction and I didn't want to follow him in putting the secular his secular being a professor and all that kind of stuff ahead of ministry because yeah. you know I wasn't a professor but anyway he he was a journalism teacher he so you know so he started following his career more than his ministry and you know i can see the need for that in some cases because you know i wouldn't have his pension now that you know if he had enough but you know at the same time you 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 can't give up 
on what you're called to do if, um, you know, it, 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 if you have to be obedient to your husband to no longer follow the Lord, you can't do that. You have to draw well, the line and, and pray for that person and try to be a good influence. But Well, try um, to be a good influence, yeah. And But uh, I'm, I lost my train of thought here, what, what I was going to say, but... Well, oh, you know, well. why don't you, well, you might come back to you, but yeah, play, play Mark Alonso. Well, we're playing four first, right? Right. Yeah, you're going backwards. Four, three, two, one. <laughs> All right, here we go. We have no choice. The question is not, can we afford to pay the price for revival? The real question is, can we afford not to pay that price? You think you can afford not to? You think you can afford to come to church when you feel like it? Do you really feel that you can afford not to pay the price? The question isn't, can I pay it? Can I afford not to pay it? That's the real question. Can you afford not to be here every day? Can you afford that? Can you afford not to be here every day praying? That's the question, brother and sister. That's the real question today. Can I afford not to be crying out every day until he comes? Can I afford not to go into that upper room for a fishing trip or a marriage or something? Can I afford not to go into that upper room to do what? To get a few more hours of sleep? To spend another hour with somebody that you love? God, God, what about them? What about all those people out there? Can you afford not to be here every day? Well, then I, I question the integrity of your walk with God, brother and sister. Okay, did you catch that? He, they had to be there every day. And, and he says that they don't get sleep or marriages or anything. And that's because he believed Brother Stair's false prophecy that it was all going to end at the end of 88. Well, you, you see that. I know that. Some groups that I was involved with, they would they would invite you over to eat, and so of course you know you're going to eat, so you don't eat, so you're hungry when you get there, and as soon as you sit down to the table and the hot food is there, they start praying, and they say no, we got to pray first, and they pray for like fifteen or twenty minutes, and you're going oh like could you pray oh well that's time? yes, but these guys that's- had to. These people were told to lay on the floor face down and babble in tongues for five hours every morning. Yeah, well, that, that was about this, too. They always wanted you to be praying. It's like, how many hours am I supposed to pray? Like, did yeah, God hear yeah. me the first time I prayed? I, I have to keep praying. Repeating yourself. Praying. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, they, they, they get you into these really strange mindsets. And you can really get stressed out because you can, you never think that you're getting, you're reaching God or you're not pleasing God. And it, it's very weird. I know what I was going to say before uh, about women. I mean, naturally a Christian woman, and this comes natural to us. Nobody has to really beat us over the head with it or anything. When you get married, you want to please your husband. Yeah. You want to please your husband. It just comes natural. You're, you're naturally inclined to motherhood, to nurturing, and to pleasing yes. your husband. Women do it, it naturally. So Absolutely. nobody has to beat us over the head. 
my mother was uh, not saved. She knew about God and that kind of thing for the, for uh, some of her life. Later on, she she did get saved, but she was naturally everything that was about her family. She, yeah. she would do anything for her family, but that came natural. So I, I resent. Know. I really resent uh, some of these brutal brutes as they call them, these brutal leaders insinuating that women don't have these natural inclinations. And even more so as a believer, even more so as a believer. Even more so, even more so. Yeah, because, you know, that doesn't make us a feminist if we won't follow our husbands into the quagmire, (laughs) you know, but at the same time. It's not a feminist idea, no. No, but if if the guy is. Those are stupid. If your husband is going in the quagmire, you don't go and die with him in there. You try to get him out. You do your best to to hold on to your confession of faith and not lose it, and to be an example of of sticking with Jesus in the walk. And 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 yet, does that mean that he should should you know that that you can't do that because you're not the head, so therefore you can't lead him to Christ? Well, see. That just all breaks apart when you analyze that. But this Mark Alongo guy, I just wanted to say before I forget, because it might go underway. After the whole thing broke up, I mean, there was so much pressure on it. Stairs Group did not break up, but Mark Alongo's did. And that's because of all the families taking this on the local television, the local news. We wrote a series on it. All the pressure it just became too much. And when he started really abusing the women and that got exposed with the, with the sexual abuse, only then did it, did it split up. And no sooner had that whole thing split up than Mark Alonga was driving on, on, a, on a windy road and all by himself uh, wrapped his car around a tree and died instantly. Oh, wow. And, and uh, his ex-wife who, who was in a battle with him over, over custody of the children she said, I compare that to God taking his finger and just flicking him off the road right into the tree like a bug. <laughs> That's how she put it because she was so angry. But yeah, keep well, that in mind. The leaders, Lord will judge. The Lord oh, will the judge. Lord, the Lord will judge. It's true. And the thing is, uh, a lot of these leaders, when they have all these hangups, especially when it, when it comes to women, they have their own issues. And so it the error and the leaven usually leads to some kind of sexual sin as far as molesting the other women, the married yeah. women, or the children. So anyway, sure. let's play number three here. Good God, this whole city went nuts when President Reagan was, was making Philadelphia his next stop a few weeks ago. This city went crazy. Oh, my God, I'm not talking about some stupid man that's a worm, that's a piece of grass. It dies tomorrow and he's gone. I'm talking the King of Glory's coming right into this church. Right here. Right here he's coming. And we're going to remain until the upper room until he does come. He is coming. He's coming. Not the president. Not a king. The King of Glory. The Lord of hosts is coming here. Now make ready. The city dressed itself up for the president. Hung banners from windows. For what? A man? A man? We're talking about the king of glory coming and saving mankind. 
Can you afford not to be here? Again, I ask you, can you afford not to be here every day crying and weeping and crying and weeping? Because David said in Psalms 12, 5, he arises on behalf of the needy. Are you needy or could you care less about Joe Blow out there going to hell? Are you needy? Are you thirsty? Do you even care? Are you desperate? What are you desperate for? To get what you want? Is that what you're desperate for? To finally get it? How about what God wants? I want to get desperate for what He wants. He's been trying to tell us for a long time here what He wants. He wants souls. He wants people. He wants His children back. They're going back out there into the world. He wants his children back. He wants his babies back, man. They're going backwards, he said. Hosea 11, 7, he says, they're bent on backsliding. My people are bent on it. They're going back because there's no hope. There's no glory. There's no power. There's a bunch of Jim Bakers and all Roberts making Jesus look like some dingbat lunatic with a bathing suit and a bank account. Oh, my God. He's the king of glory. He was sick in the head. Well, you know how he did that? Well, one of the ladies, um, the mother of one of the ladies that was in it, she uh, she was there with her children. Well, the granddaughter was getting married, and so Mark Alongo officiated. And just like he screamed like that, Mary, who is this Catholic lady, was so upset. She came back from the wedding and said that all he did was scream at them and tell them they're all going to hell. And that's, that was the message at the uh, wedding. Oh dear! And she was so. In other so words, you couldn't enjoy upset. yourself at a wedding. Right, right. Remember what he said about marriages? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You didn't have time for it. I don't know if you have time now for the other two, but yeah, we do. Um, we have sixteen minutes. Uh, Let's play these other two. Okay. There's number two. Who did was the letter to the churches in Revelations written to? To the angel of the church of. The angel was the pastor. He, in Psalm, I believe it's 104, verse 5, he makes his ministers a flame of fire. He said, I'm going to send my angels. At the end of the age, I will send forth my angels, and they will begin to separate the wheat from the tares for the work I have. He said, I will get, they will gather out of God's kingdom all causes of offense. To be offensive is to live a lifestyle contrary to the morals and the standards in the church. That's what it means to be offensive. And anyone that would cause somebody to stumble is an offense. Jesus said it's better you put a millstone around your neck than offend one of these little ones. That's who he's removing right now. God's, the leaders in the, in the, uh, uh, that God has over this work right now are literally putting out of the churches all the offenders. It's time to bear fruit, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, you catch that? It's up to them to separate the wheat from the shaft because they are the angels that do that. The pastors are. Yeah. That's thinking so. a little more highly of themselves than they ought, I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we know somebody else that thought of himself more highly than he ought. We know where he wound up, the <laughs> devil. All right, we have yeah. one more clip here. We Yeah, we know about that. Yeah. Elijah prayed, he didn't just, oh, Father God. He prayed, he was in pain. He was in labor pain, man, for rain. 
And he said, go, servant, go and see. Finally, a servant came back. I see a fist. I see a cloud the size of a fist. Man, if all we can see is a little thing that was coming. It's coming. He just saw a little fist in the distance. But it was the promise of rain. That's more than anybody saw in three and a half years. They never saw that. But it took Elijah praying seven times. Going back in the travail. He was kicking. He was in pain. And when Zion travailed, the rain came. He arises on behalf of the needy. We're thirsty, God. We're thirsty. We're dying. We're dying, God. We're perishing. They're dying, God. They're dying out there. We're thirsty. We need rain. The seeds aren't even growing anymore. They're dying. Stood boldly, God. Blot my name out. Just don't kill them. Kill me first. Don't kill them. That's the heart, brothers and sisters, that we need here. Please kill me first. Let me die, God. Don't let all these people die. Don't let them be succumbed to the heresy being preached out there. <laughs> God answered his prayer, didn't he? Oh, he stumbled the little ones, and he died soon thereafter. Yeah, well. And he was young. He was only in his 30s. Yeah, he sounds young. Yeah, yeah he, he, he was young. Unlike Brother Stair, died at 87. This guy died after the whole group broke up. The group didn't disperse after he died. They dispersed, and then he died. Oh, yeah. Well, he was, he was extremely abusive. Extremely well, he abusive. Well, he once 1988 came and went, then they, they go, oh, I guess we better relook at this because we were all counting on everything happening by 88 and it didn't happen. And no. uh, you see, and some of the people in that group totally backslid and turned their back on God over this. Some yeah, of kept happened. going, realizing their error, but many just turned, said no more God, God stuff anymore. Um, you know, that's the way a lot of them turned and they just rejected God altogether. Well, and that's, that's how the they shipwrecked the faith of so many. That's right. That's the trap is that if any leader demands total loyalty above Jesus and above you hearing from Jesus for yourself, then that's not a good leader. And that's not a person to follow because we should always give people the freedom that they have in Jesus and it's very, very important for people to hear from God for themselves about their lives so that they don't get wrapped up in these things because that's, that's the snare and that's the real tragedy. It's a tragedy that anybody would lose their walk with the Lord because of some leader. Happens all the time. It really and, does. And that's why we point these things out, not because we want to tar and feather the leader, though some need to be, <laughs> but, but to rescue those, snatch them out of the fire, because these guys are trying to call fire down from heaven on everybody. And well, um, That's it. If you're going to be a leader, love the people, love the sheep. Don't take advantage of them. Don't mistreat them for your own selfish gain. And always examine your motives. That's something that you always have to examine when you're in the ministry. 
and uh, to do things the way the Lord directs you to do it. So then you don't fall into these snares. And many of them are in the the mode of self-preservation because if you point out their errors and everything, oh, they're attacking me and they're trying to take away my sheep, you know, or whatever. And so they get kind of possessive of that and they won't take correction after a certain point because they think they're above questioning because you touch not God's anointed, you see. Yeah, that's another big one, yeah. And don't judge. Well, like right. I judge every day. I judge some if I like this food or that food better. I make judgments all day long. But yet when it comes <laughs> when it comes to Christianity or it comes to the gospel, they tell you, no, don't judge. Well, I better judge because wolves bite and wolves hurt people. So we better judge and we better have critical thinking and all those things. And, and uh, of course, uh, Jackie is not saying, you know, when she talked about her marriage or whatever, she wasn't stepping outside of her marriage to be a rebel in her marriage. She was no. praying, praying for her husband. Uh, because if anybody knew his shortcomings, it was her. She was married to him. Nobody else <laughs> knew all the shortcomings. So it's easy yeah, for people to is. say things about somebody else's marriage when they don't even know what they're talking about. That's true. Because I, I, I'm saying, just you, you show me one marriage that doesn't have bumps in the road. You know, that's, <laughs> it doesn't exist. Yes. No, it, it does not exist. If I'm talking about one particular time, that's not slamming my entire marriage. I'm just saying, no. you know, we ran into certain crossroads where, uh, you know, sometimes a wife has to take a stand in order to rescue her husband. But see, that's not being, oh, because, you know, I don't like male leadership. Are you kidding me? I love male leadership. Of course. Done, you know, for, for 40 years, all my research and everything, I, I would always look to the male leadership and say, how can I help them? How can I, you know, yeah, you know, give, exactly. give them, you know, share my research with them, help them. And so they can be the mouthpiece on these things because they get a better hearing than I ever could. I always had that attitude because, you know, they, let's face it, you know, some people might listen to us women, but others, women get picked. I mean, when you think about someone like Jan Markell, who gets attacked just for being a woman and having any sort of, of, of strength, you see. That yeah. women are be are criticized in you know, in, in any public forum as far as Christianity goes, as if, well, you know, we're not pastoring churches, but we get told, Well, you can't be an elder, you can't do that. Well, we're not being an elder, we're being Christians who talk about right. our faith. Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel. Go ye. It didn't say go man, go woman. And there, the, Bible, no. the Bible says there's neither male or female. So, how do you, how do you uh, reconcile that? And I knew myself from when I got saved, the day I got saved, I knew I wanted to do something for the Lord. I wanted to do something for the Lord, and that's always how I felt. And I never felt like God told me I couldn't do it. And we're his servants. We're his servants. We're his servants. Just like that's we're all it. supposed to be his servants. We're all given right. the Great Commission. We all right. are going to speak of the Bible, and because that is what fills our hearts, and that's what comes out of our mouth. That doesn't mean we're taking Amen. authority over the men. That does not no. mean that. No, it and, doesn't you mean know. that at all. And I never felt that way. I, that thought Me never either. even crossed my mind. So. I know, I know. But that's the kind of thing we get accused of. And that's the any kind of thing you get accused of. Yeah. yeah, just for speaking 
and, and applying scripture to what we're speaking about. That doesn't yeah. make us the teaching authority in the church by any means. No. And indeed, you don't, like we were saying, those thoughts never even crossed our mind. I just thought, I'm going, I'm following the Great Commission. That's what I'm commanded to do. Right. And uh, so as long as I can do it, I'm going to do it. And, though, and, that, and that burns in your heart. The cause of Christ burns in your heart. And the things that he's done for us, the, the way he changed our life forever, and we'll never forget that, how he changed us. And uh, how could we ever forget that? And how could we not want to do everything we could for the one we love the most? Well, we can't. If, if, if all we do is, is serve a, a shepherding uh, leader and not follow Jesus, then we're getting off the trail. That, that leads us to Christ when we're following man. I'll oh, follow man no, if they follow Christ. To. As That's long right. as they're following Christ, I'll follow them. But if, if they get off the narrow road and go on the Broadway, I'm sticking with the narrow road. God, yeah. God help us. God help us because, boy, there's a snare and a trap for everybody the devil sets. Well, there definitely is a snare and a trap. We face them all the time. And we face our testing and our, and our trials. But, of course, Jesus said we were going to go through all these things. But, yet we can't be moved. We can't uh, let ourselves get offended where we leave Jesus and we leave mm. the, the uh, preaching of the word. Uh, you, we just don't want people to go there. It's a bad place to go. But you have to remember who the head is, and the head is Christ, the head of right. all of us. Is Jesus, mm-hmm. so we have to follow he's, him first. He's our only mediator. Yeah, he's the only mediator. And then you you won't lose. So it's like there's that scripture, and I, I can't remember exactly where it is, that says, uh, cursed is the man that puts his trust in man. Is that, I don't know. If sounds like proverb. a proverb. <laughs> yeah, it sounds like a proverb. But there's a lot of wisdom in that. And mm. we're not saying don't take counsel or, or whatever of course we i love god the counsel and uh it's good for us the, if it's godly counsel and it's right. not used to manipulate us and to hurt us right but yeah anyway, that, that's our program for today we had a great program after all oh if i could even begin to tell you all the things that happened to try to get this program. <laughs> You you would not believe all the things that happened, but so you were, know someone had to hear it. And if you're out there and you know someone who this might speak to, share it. Yeah, yeah, please do share it because we hope that we could rescue some people from destruction and from losing their faith in Jesus. And mm-hmm. it's so sad when that happens to people. If something happens in their life or something, and then they're mad at God. Well, yeah. we can't get mad at God. We always have to go back to our first love. I, I always try to yes. remember that, how he raised me up out of the pit of destruction. And he loved me and had mercy on me. And he dusted me off, and he made something beautiful out of my life. Nobody could do that. Right. Yeah, I know. Well, we love him. He's, we serve him, and if we 
speak amiss, forgive us. <laughs> but we always start out these things with praying, Lord, give us the mind of Christ and don't let us say that we're human. People can do things like that. And we don't want well, that to get into these things. Oh, no. No. And the thing is, sometimes you have to voice things so people can hear and they can understand. Because I'm sure there's a lot of people that will say, yeah, I can relate to that because I've been there. And that's happened to me. And people have said those things uh, to me and they've accused me of those kind of things. And so sometimes it's just good to hear it from another person. But anyway, that's our show for today. Thanks, Jackie. Great program. Thank you so much for all your help. And where can my people pleasure. find you if they want to find you? They can find my webpage at christiansentinel.com. And if you don't know how to spell it, just look up Jackie Alnor on uh, DuckDuckGo or some such place and you'll find me. Also, you know, join me on Facebook. She has a public and Facebook my name. page, by yeah. the way. Yeah. And also Christian yeah. Sentinel, yes. Yeah, A-L-N-O-R if you want to contact Jackie. She's yeah. there and you can contact her. She's pretty active on social media so all right god bless you stay till next time till next time yeah hallelujah all right bye bye jackie bye all right everybody that's our program for today don't forget the most important thing is do you know jesus christ as your lord and savior have you asked him to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins he said that in the third chapter of john he said you must be born again And being born again is a real event. It's a real happening. And you can ask God, no matter what kind of sin you have in your life, he can forgive you and give you a brand new life. He promises that. That's why he sent a savior to save you. So ask Jesus to come into your life today. Ask him to forgive you of all your sins. And he will make all things new. I can guarantee you that. And he can give you peace and joy that you cannot buy. Thanks, everybody, that stopped by the chat room today and all our listeners around the world. God bless you.